Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos. I am a chronic overthinker. I get what I like to call analysis paralysis when it comes to making decisions. I also tend to overplan things. My husband says, I always plan for the worst and hope for the best. In my research, I've learned I'm not the only one who does this. As human beings, we tend to overcomplicate everything. Even simple daily tasks tend to get bogged down in our overthinking sometimes. Well, at least it does for me. What I've discovered over the last few years of self-diagnosis is whenever something feels complicated and overwhelming, the best way for me to overcome analysis paralysis is to oversimplify it. I go back to basics. When my day seems jam-packed with tasks and obligations and I'm so overwhelmed, I don't know where to start. I start with the basics. What are the basic things I need to do to start my day? I need to wake up, wash my face, brush my teeth, and get dressed. Small, simple, manageable. So let's say it's been a while since you've been to church, or maybe you've never been, but you feel a tug to go and you have no idea where to start. Well, let's start with the basics. Let's start with prayer. What do we pray? How do we pray? When do we pray? Why should we pray? I think now is as good a time as any to jump into a back-to-basics refresher. So I've asked Sister Geraldine of the Sisters of Christian Charity, who also developed our diocesan formation for the Ministry of Spiritual Direction, to help us simplify the act of praying. Sister Geraldine. Thank you so much for joining us again. It's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. We actually haven't had you in a little while. That's true. That's true. But it's always a pleasure to be here with you, Rachel. So I've been thinking a lot lately about how as humans, we tend to really overcomplicate things and unnecessarily so. So I kind of want to get back to basics. So in terms of our faith, let's get back to like basic basics. What is prayer and why is it important? Okay, so that's a very basic question. And I always like to say, and there are saints out there that have this very elaborate and beautiful definition of prayer. For me, prayer is a conversation with my best bud, my best friend, and that's Jesus Christ, or the Father, or even one of the saints, just chilling with them. And why is it important is because as human beings, we are called to have a relationship with God. He created us to have a relationship with Him. He wants us to have a relationship with Him. And prayer is the way that you hang with your best friend. It's that simple. Yeah, 
I mean, I just called my my girlfriend last week and was like, I just need somebody to talk to. Like, we should think of we should think of talking. We should think of prayer kind of like that. Just picking up the the phone, for lack of a better term, and, and saying, hey, God, what's up? Well, that's what it's the, been a while. that's a very classical definition <laughs> of prayer of a conversation with God. Very classical definition of prayer. I like I like that, but it's not just the same as talking with your best bud. Right, right. (laughs) Getting even more basic, let's say I'm completely brand new to this, to to the faith, to the idea of God, to the church, everything. How does one start praying? What would you suggest for an absolute beginner? An absolute beginner, I would teach them a technique called Lexio Divina, in which um, and and that's got to be a, a podcast unto itself. Mm. Okay, so Lexio is a way of of reading scripture. And the first time you read it, you just read it. Second time, it's like going back to like your mother called you three times to do the dishes. Of the third time, the tone becomes different. You know, you have to move. So that's why you, we read the same scripture quote more than once. So the first time you read it, second time you read it, what is it said in the scripture? And the third time you read it is. What does it say to me? So there's the Holy Spirit message to you. And because the scripture is is the living word of God, you can come to the same scripture many times and the message is different all the time. So I would begin with Lexio, Lexio Divina, uh, uh, the proper term for it, and teach the uh, the newbie on how to pray uh, to do Lexio because it... One word can just like, I've read the scripture before. I've never seen that word before. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's what I would do. That's interesting. And I like I like that you put it that way because it's it's true. Like you could read the same passage like over and over again or you hear it over and over again at church, but you might be at a different point in your life mm-hmm. where it means something completely different or you pick up on something that you didn't hear before. That's pretty cool. And I am... I'm definitely going to have to do an episode on that because we've had other guests in here who've also talked about that. So it's very powerful and I've never done it before. So I think that it would be worthwhile Mm -hmm. to kind of expand on that. Is it possible to pray too much? And what happens if your prayer starts to interfere with your everyday responsibilities? Okay. So prayer is amazing and prayer is very important. However, God has also called you in a specific, specific lifestyle a specific vocation. So if you're, you know, a wife or a husband and you have children, that's your vocation. That's your primary vocation to tend to your spouse, to tend to your children. Okay. That doesn't mean that you negate prayer. That means, but their work, your responsibility to them is foremost. So yes, if your prayer, if your kid is, is crying for some reason, and you're like, don't bother me, I'm praying, that's not appropriate. That's not appropriate. You know, whereas a religious, like me, we we spend about three hours a day in prayer, okay? And that's include liturgy, too, a mass. But there's always a time in which the sisters are working. Does that mean that I can say, let them work, I'm going to go pray? no. Again, it's your responsibility, your state in life, your vocation, all has to do with um, that type of balance. 
I had a vi- my very first spiritual director a hundred years ago. Well, not quite, but almost a hundred years ago, said to me that every person, their being is like an altar, and every altar has four legs: prayer, work, family, and leisure. And what happens if those four legs are not in balance? Your offering of yourself rolls off your altar, and it's good for any no for no one, particularly God. So the responsibility we have to balance with the call to prayer. No one is too busy to pray 20 minutes a day. That's the minimal. Just like brushing your teeth, taking a shower, and doing all the things you have to do to do proper hygiene, 20 minutes a day is important. And it it, it can be every different ways of praying, but at least 20 minutes a day. That's fascinating. I like the way that you phrase it about a table and about it being out of balance because that's a, that's the most annoying thing is when you sit at a table and it just rocks and you have to like stick something under it to support it. But so like that image is, is a very powerful one for me. Kind of piggybacking off of that for a second. Is it possible that living your vocation is also like a form of prayer? Like how do we how do we live our prayer? By offering up everything that we do Consciously, it's a conscious effort for the greater glory of God. Okay, I can I can remember this 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 new mom who had who was carrying his her infant. It was a boy. He I'm assuming it was a boy because he had a blue one of those blue stretchy suits on. What a diaper explosion! Okay, those are fun. And she was carrying him in an arm's length across um, the restaurant and said out loud. I love you so much, but not right now. Okay. Her responsibility was taking care of the child. I offered this messy diaper to clean up the mess out of love for you, God. And that's a conscious choice. But once the habit's been formed, you do it without realizing it. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that you take those 20 minutes of silence, those 20 minutes of just talking one-on-one with God doesn't mean that you take that away. Right. Like you can't do 20 minutes of laundry and say, well, I'm offering this up and then call it a day. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So speaking of responsibilities, laundry and children, you mentioned that 20 minutes a day was kind of like, like the bare minimum that we should be doing. What are some ways that we can kind of not necessarily trick ourselves, but like almost like a life hack of how to how do we fit it in? Like some of our schedules, I'm sure, are are super packed. But how do we how do we work in the habit of just 20 minutes a day? Does it have to be 20 consecutive minutes? Do we find it at different pockets of the day? Like what would you suggest? 20 consecutive minutes. Yes, it has to be only because you get distracted. Yeah, you, 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 I mean, life happens, you know. But 20 minutes of chilling with your best friend. And that's what the relationship with God should be. Um, Just you and I. Just him and I. That makes sense. Going back to the analogy of it. Like, imagine your physical best friend standing in front of you. You wouldn't want to be like, hey, hi, hello. Hold on. I got to go do this. Or play with your phone Mm -hmm. when when you should be talking to your friend. Yes, absolutely. So how but how do you fit that time in a busy schedule? Well, it depends upon the personality, and it means some sacrifice, 
like it means going to bed a little bit, you know, 20 minutes earlier to get up 20 minutes earlier before everybody gets crazy. Just some get some silence back. Okay. Or once the kids are quiet to take that 20 minutes and to go someplace just to go away again, silence. I know one mother who takes a 20 minute hot bath and that's her prayer time. She's naked in front of the Lord. <laughs> Just how we came in. <laughs> she, you know, but that's how she does it. Mm-hmm. And again, it, gets, it all depends upon your personality. I'm a morning person, so I get up earlier to, uh, to spend an hour in prayer um, before everybody else. And it's just the quiet, the, the quietness of the house allows me to focus more on God than the sisters that I live with. Yeah, there's something powerful about silence especially mm-hmm. er, especially early morning silence mm-hmm. like i do the same thing i'm not i don't consider myself a morning person but i do get up early before the whole house wakes up just to have like that little bit of time where your your thoughts aren't competing with anything else any other noise we mentioned distraction what are some strategies that we can use to combat distraction obviously minimizing it as much as we as much as we can but i had read that some saints to them praying for hours felt like mere minutes versus for the rest of us minutes can probably feel like hours and while you're praying you're like oh man i forgot i needed to pick up sugar at the store or i need to i need to remember to do this but hold on i'm still praying and it's how do we how do we combat that okay so distractions are like a gnat that just buzz around. And you, I know we're in the radio you, and you're listening to me. You, you can't see my finger flown around in my front of my face. It's a gnat. It's one of those things that fly in front of your face and you swish it around. Okay. So think of that. Now, those distractions that are important that you can't forget. Sometimes what I do is I put them, I have a little notepad next to my prayer corner that if they come up, they bubble up in my consciousness, I write them down. To, so I won't forget him, okay? But just like you threw an ad away, <laughs> goodbye. Get the hints. Because the more you pay attention to the distraction, it's like a rabbit hole. You go down and it's like, where where, where, where was I? Like, yes. Okay, so that's part of it too. But once you realize your distraction, give the distraction over to God. Because sometimes the distraction means something he wants you to look at. Hmm. Like, where did I go? How did I get there? You know, and that's that's important to to pray about. It's like this distraction keeps coming up. Let me, if it's not a daily thing, like groceries, dishes, and, you know, things like like that's just write it on a piece of paper and forget about it. That's that type, type of gnat. But if it's a distraction that keeps coming up, huh. Maybe I have to pray about that. Or what's the message in that distraction? Because the Holy Spirit can can use anything to teach us. That's a very good point of if it's if if it continues to be that nap, then it it's something that you need to to take a look at. I think that that's very fascinating. So earlier we talked about the saints and praying to the saints. Um and I think there's this misconception about how Catholics view saints. I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, they, they pray too much to Mary or they pray too much to the saints. When in fact, we're asking for their 
intercession. Mm -hmm. What is intercession and how do we incorporate it into our prayers? Like once we build that habit, how do we start asking the saints for help? So the best way of me I could describe intercession would be like, say a family has pictures of their ancestors, their aunts and uncles, their grandparents, their great grandparents, their great, 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 you know, the, the ancestors on the wall. And a child asks about them and have asked about their story and the mom or the grand or whatever they and the, the, the instructor says to the little child you should be you should talk to this this ancestor of yours you know your aunt uncle grandmother and ask them to be a good boy or girl or ask them for a specific virtue that's what intercession's all about it's knowing the story and asking them for that virtue, that saint, that, that virtue that they exhibited in their own life. They've done the journey. We're still on the road. Okay, so it's like, hey, yo, come on, wait for me. How do I get there? Type of thing. That's what intercession is all about. It's not about them poking God because God is God and God will do whatever he wants to do. But it's, it's somebody else who you can lean on. I'm having a hard time with this. Could you help me out? I mean, isn't don't we do that with our parents when we're in trouble? You know, hey, dad, I have a flat tire. Could you help? That's what intercession is. It, it's somebody else that that is in the mystical body of Christ that can allow us assistance on the journey on our journey. Does that answer your question? It does, and it just it reminded me of. My my oldest son is seven and a half, so he's like losing teeth. And the very first tooth that was like really wiggly and loose, he was terrified, terrified. So I told, used to tell him stories about my um, paternal grandmother, who was an OR nurse, like nothing faced her. And anytime you told her she had, you had a loose tooth, she was like, come here, I got you. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> she had pliers for fingers. So I was telling him that story and then by tooth number three it was like kind of loose but not like quite ready i don't know what came over him but he just yanked it out one day and he's like i did it just like your grandma did <laughs> and that that is such a powerful analogy of of being you know we're currently on the journey but these saints have already have already lived the journey they can give you directions or they can point you in the right direction and that's that's really all we're asking for so i think that that I think that's a really good way to explain it to somebody of like, if you're on the road and you're looking for directions, who are you going to ask? You're going to ask somebody who's familiar with the territory. So like, I think today is the saint, the feast day of saints, Joe, Kim and Anne of their journey with infertility. They're the perfect people to ask about having faith and continuing on a journey when it seems hopeless because God, there is a plan. You might not see it right now, but it's there and we need to learn how to trust it. Mm hmm. So I think that that's, I think that that's awesome. Okay. So now let's imagine that we're, you know, we're getting the habit down. We've done Lexio Divina where we, we we're doing our 20 minutes a day. What should we do if we're not quite seeing the fruits of our prayer yet? Like we're experiencing a season of dryness. We're walking through the Sahara desert feeling like we're just praying into abyss and, and nothing. We're not hearing God talk back to us. What should we do in that season? So 
my favorite image of, of of explaining dryness is when if you ever go walk to, um, with a toddler, maybe a three-year-old, they'll run ahead and then realize that they're far ahead of you and then run back to you. And then you and then run ahead again. So that running ahead with you with like the adult behind them is that moment of dryness. Okay. But then they realize, ooh, ooh, and they turn around. And that's the way for us to go back. Okay. It's nor dryness is normal. So it's not something that we've done. It's a time in which the baby food that we're eating, it's, we need more than that. We need to chomp on something besides baby food. We need, you know, besides oatmeal, we need some steak and potatoes, like, you know? So it's way of God telling us and preparing us for something greater. You know, so there's, um, it, it, it comes and goes, it comes and goes, but it's always something preparing for us for something greater. It means not to stop. Because if we stop, we're always going to be happy with the baby food. And that's not what, as we deepen our relationship with God and become saints with a small s. But there's always a moment in which he wants us to become saints with a capital S. That dryness becomes a better way of understanding him and deepening our relationship with him because it's not about us it's not about feelings it's not about our emotions it's about him and that's a way of purifying us in order for us to understand that i love that you you are just on point with these analogies today because i i have been there many a times where my children run up in front of me and then they turn around and they come back. And that is, that's such a good image of like, we get so excited that we just bolt and we're like, oh, wait a second. I still don't know where I'm going. I got to turn around and come back. That is just super powerful. I was reading in the catechism about prayer. And this line really stuck out to me about prayer is a battle. How is prayer a battle and who are we in battle against? Okay, so... Battle is a strong word in this the catechism use. So number one, we're battling ourselves because prayer is a discipline to be tuned in 20 minutes a day, at least 20 minutes a day, to be present during mass, not kneel, sit and stand and like, wait, what was that reading? What did, what did we just sing? To be truly present. That's a battle against self rather than your mind being la-di-da, someplace else, you know? But we're also battling the evil one. And that evil one does not want us to have relationship with God. That evil one does not want to, to us to battle ourselves, to, to struggle against our own imperfections, to be humble. So there's the, the two-edged sword or the two, two sides of the same coin. It's a battle. It's a battle. And prayer is kind of like our weapon of choice, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I like that. So we've talked about the basics of what prayer is, what it isn't, building the habit. Like if we had to make a list, what would you say are some best practices for a fruitful prayer life? Consistency. Faithfulness. Consistency and faithfulness. Getting a spiritual director or a spiritual friend 
And that could be, you know, not just one individual. It does not have to be a priest. Um, it can be a lay person uh, who's been uh, trained formally um, to help you walk that journey, to deepen your relationship with God, spending extra time in prayer. Um, it's almost like sitting down and actually creating a personal recipe or a personal way of life that you want to be incorporated with scripture, rosary, stations, spiritual reading, really good Catholic books, a good Catholic podcast. Gee, you know, <laughs> and there's several out there as well. I was going to say, where can we find I, I don't know. Podcast? <laughs> yeah. um, all those to deepen our relationship, to spending time and turning the radio off in, in the in the car if you have a commute to work and spending that time in fingering a rosary, the divine mercy chaplet, any chaplet, that type of thing. But it's, again, it depends upon your personality and, and, and upon your, your availability. I want to piggyback off of that for a second, because you mentioned spiritual directors. What is a spiritual director? And if someone is looking for one, where can they go? Okay. So a spiritual director is a man or woman that has been educated or trained, and I use that word with quotation marks, little bunny ears, you know, a quote, trained to walk with an individual as they respond to the Holy Spirit. So the real director is the Holy Spirit, but a spiritual director, a spiritual guide is trained to listen to the Holy workings of the Holy Spirit within that person's story to see what might the Holy Spirit be nudging them. In a sense, another, another image, they're the tugboat, and the directee is the ocean liner and the director, the guide or the director is the tugboat nudging the ocean liner closer and closer to the pier, which is heaven. Okay. And where you can get one. Well, okay. So uh, I know people who ask priests. I, um, there is a list, a diocesan list that are out there for directors. If you contact me um, at the diocesan office at, or email me. And that's on the diocesan website as well. We can hook you up with a, a director if you're interested. Awesome. Well, Sister Jalen, thank you so much for joining us today and for all those really powerful images. You just have a way away with that. So thank you. Thank you. And um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Rachel. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.